0: can you talk a little
1: yes 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 uh malcolm do if i have a beer if you would like one Dude, I'll i have take some one. wow you they're, brought the grocery bag they're like sour that. beers i had to get yeah, my roommate <laughs> fell into a hole in our- <laughs> <laughs> in the back of our, uh, uh, our house um, when I was there's just like there's a hole that like is in like the parking area the Old pit. <laughs> and he was taking my dog out and uh he like uh, I like asked him how my dog was doing today and he was like she's like she's doing great but like I like I fell in like a hole <laughs> and I was like shit I'm sorry man like I can I, I went and bought a bunch of supplies uh, to help him. <laughs> <laughs> some down peroxide the <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah he <laughs> got out right uh, yeah no oh, he okay, got out okay. it's just
1: like there's like a little there's something it's it's a fuck up on the behalf of the property group yeah. they should like cover it they just put like a big tire over it um before and uh, someone we got new uh neighbors in our like fr- the house in front of us and someone moved the tire and he didn't yeah. know and just uh whoop,
2: it's pit setting. Yeah, <laughs> I, my brother fell into like a, a pit once. Like there, like he went. There's like this uh, Mount Madonna near where I lived in Northern California. And, like, my brothers, they went off trail. I wasn't there. And apparently, like, they just, like, there was just a big hole that was just covered by leaves. It was, it was like a trap, basically. <laughs> and he, he fell into the trap. And, like, they had to get park rangers to go and get him. Like it was Jesus a, Christ. I was suppose much of hunters didn't yeah. come up right when he got caught well, in the trap. Like, it wouldn't it be. Ha- it's a state park. I don't think people would be hunting there, too. That's what's weird about
0: it. I just only imagine traps in the forest in, like, an old-timey cartoon kind <laughs> yeah. of sense.
1: Yeah, no. There's, like, in Vice Principles, yeah. like, uh, Danny McBride builds that big hole in the yeah. ground. It it was was it like that. it was like a person sized like pit. It was
2: huge. It was like it was they were, they showed me a picture of it. It was like almost as big as like from the bed to the end of the wall. That's a pretty podcast listener. That's pretty big. <laughs> we're talking about uh times when people we knew fell into pits <laughs> and holes.
0: <laughs> Alright, we can uh Start the pod improper now. This is uh, episode five of the After Hours feed of Extended Clip, the Patreon feed. And once again, we just want to thank you so much. Uh, we already more than exceeded our first goal of $50. Our humble goal uh, was just shoved right into our face. And we're going to do some hair gel stuff in a little bit. But first, we got to talk about Star Wars. By the way, I'm one of your hosts, Eddie Avril. I'm Malcolm
2: Baum.
1: I'm JT White.
0: Um, our topic of discussion today is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, the nineteen ninety nine film by George Lucas, and you know it's a uh, a thirty five millimeter production, unlike the other two prequels, uh, with heavily uh, CGI incorporated aspects. Um, how how did
2: you guys like this movie? Um, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. I liked it a good amount. This is kind of like my first, you know, dip in the water for Star Wars. I've seen, I've seen Star Wars movies before, but I don't think I've ever like truly gotten it or like appreciated it on like a deeper level or anything like that. And I think, I think I get it. I think I'm starting to get it. And this, I think, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good not great podcasting but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um yeah i like i i was a real young star wars boy i loved uh the originals and the prequels uh when i grew up uh to be an ironic youth i was like oh fuck these prequels i like i'm done with this they're like overwritten and like boring And uh, I was fully in that mindset. I'd watched them like at the start of college, and that was pretty much where I was. But I'd hear all this talk uh, about how they were actually good online, and I was like, I'm ready to buy this talk. And uh, um, this time around, I really loved uh, The Phantom Menace, and uh, Attack of the Clones was good
0: too. I think what's really interesting here, though, as he's telling this story, Lucas that is, George Lucas, is that he's cutting across, or not even cutting, wiping across uh, different locations and points in time using these wipes and these uh, iris ins and outs and all of these goofy transitions kind of. Uh, But they're really effective in the way that you can get two images uh, in your screen at once as opposed to the cut where you're comparing the two images. And they kind of help you uh, bring all of these different spaces, these different planes of action into one when you hit the third act. And you have four planes of action being intercut, not using those wipes or irises, but just a cut transporting you from one to another. You know, that climax, you have uh, the the iconic lightsaber duel of Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi against Darth Maul. And then you also have uh padme and uh the that captain that's with them going against the the droids of the Trade Federation on the ground. And then you have that big ground war with Jar Jar Binks, everyone's favorite character, (laughs) and all those Gungans uh, against the droids. And then you also have young Anakin with R2 in the air shooting down uh, the droid headquarters. And you're cutting between these four planes of action seamlessly. And all of these huge action set pieces are so well executed. It's just like pure bliss of action cinema for me. Mm-hmm. That or, oh, you sorry.
1: That was one thing that like struck me this time around. That I feel like the the, the classic like Star Wars nerd head uh, critique of the prequels is that they're like dumb and for babies. And it's just like maybe you're actually a baby because I feel like there are so many like complicated things going on. Like uh, what you were saying with like how they cross cut between a bunch of narrative threads. Just in general, like. I mean, again, people criticize it as, like, boring, but, like, the trade, like, talks and that aspect of it, I think it's just operating on a really, like, complex level, and uh, that really took me by surprise this time around.
2: No, yeah, I think, yeah, I think a lot of critiques I heard about this, that's, like, it's a, a kid's movie, you know, so to speak, just because, you know, we got Baby Skywalker in the mix. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of complexity in how, like, storylines are weaved, and, I've like, I really admire the wipes... And I feel like you know, in addition to you know being like a creative way to you know double the image, it is like uh, th- they're like almost periods for a lot of scenes. And then you know, without them, when when they're taken away, the just the how everything is like sewed together is just so so much more apparent. And I, I feel like the I was definitely I liked um, I keep wanting to call it Clone Wars Attack of the <laughs> Attack of the Clones. I did like Attack of the Clones better. Just because I feel like there is a lot of exposition in this movie. Mm-hmm. But um I don't know, I enjoyed it for the most part. And the two big set pieces that people always talk about. I've heard so much about the pod racing mm-hmm. set piece and uh the lightsaber fight at the end and those definitely deliver in big yeah. ways. I would say.
0: I mean the pod racing is incredible, but just on a formal level here, like George Lucas is using the scope frame in the way that wasn't used in the first three of the trilogy you know Mm -hmm. like he is such a master of the frame at all times even when he's accounting for you know cg uh being laid on top of it you have some great cg creatures in here whether or not they're based in ethnic stereotypes (laughs) uh such as Wado, who floats about uh and you know I don't need to repeat my
2: identity over and
0: over, but I, I see a lot of myself in Watto. <laughs> uh, uh, uh,
2: Watto's no. just an honest guy trying to make an honest buck in, you know, hard times. I don't see yeah. the critique of him. Yeah, you know?
0: <laughs> no, that's one of my favorite things in all of the prequels: is that Jedi mind tricks do not work on Watto; only money. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But, like, all of the action, the editing is so precise, and, like, the soundscapes are so inventive in these different types of, you know, crashing and uh, uh, things lightsaber hitting sounds and like uh, the sounds of the different speeders and blasters going off is just such a rich soundscape. I I definitely recommend bumping this one loud or even going with the over ear headphones as I did.
1: Oh yeah we just recently in my living room uh, one of my roommates uh, his parents moved and he brought back an impressive new setup and we cranked Mm -hmm. the fucking Mm bass and like for the pod racing scene oh my god it made all the difference and just like there are some moments like how he uses sound where it's like one thing that struck me in particular was the last little bit um, where Sebulba is like, like uh, his like pod is destroyed. And there's that just little bit of silence like thrown in there in the mix of this like crazy chaotic race. Yeah.
0: Sebulba, by the way, he always wins. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite characters. I mean, the Phantom Menace just has so many like fun alien creatures that are introduced for you know the purpose of just uh getting to know the all these planets a little better you know uh sebulba is just god i don't know i just feel like sebulba sometimes (laughs) that's all i have to say about that
2: no yeah the the vast amount of characters you know as a star wars novice is something that is like i knew was always there but actually i actually felt impressed by it this time around i wasn't I wasn't intimidated by the lore or the sci-fi-ness of it, which I, I tend to be with a lot of other movies like this.
0: Yeah, and you have kind of a mix of CG characters and the classic uh, Muppets, if you will, you know, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I, I think that mix is really important. Even though I, I love when it goes full digital with the latter two, mm-hmm. I think this one is a interesting like, cross-section between film and
2: digital. No, definitely. I think my roommate said this was the first movie to be edited on a computer. I don't know if that's true. We're going to have to
0: I could <laughs> I could see it.
2: Yeah, and like I think yeah, it is it is interesting kind of to see some of the warm film textures intermixed with like the CGI characters and it's definitely like a a tale of things to come, yeah. you know, with the the clone wars, attack of the clones. Well, I
1: mean, that, yeah. with the characters and I mean Us being a lore-hating podcast, (laughs) I mean, I think the beauty of uh, Star Wars and, like, the prequels in general, why people connect to it is because they'll, like, see eccentric-looking critters where it's just, like, in order to get the narrative and to enjoy the movie, you don't need to, like, understand the background of any of the characters at all. But like, there will be just like obsessive nerds that will latch on to one particular thing, and like, oh, actually, this this character that's in a frame of this movie, he has like a three hundred page backstory, and it's just because the worlds feel so lived in that there's that room there for losers uh, (laughs) to draw out and like make that lore themselves
2: more more roommate talk he said he also read a theory that uh jar jar binks is the phantom menace
0: oh yeah there's a lot of jar jar binks uh conspiracy (laughs) conspiracy theories around the web that he's a sith lord and such like that i don't need to get into that nonsense (laughs) you know there's enough in these movies uh, to go off of uh I mean that pod racing sequence is incredible. My only critique of this movie, the only reason it's not a five out of five, is that uh, maybe the the Greg Proops character could have been taken out of there, maybe replaced (laughs) with like Kelsey Grammer (laughs) or something like that
2: to announce the pod race. Oh, okay, that's who that was. Yeah, Yeah. it was
0: Greg Proops announcing the pod,
2: (laughs) the pod race rather. (laughs) Yeah, that kind of gave me the Muppets two old guys in a balcony vibe, which I think was intentional.
0: Yeah, Uh, but you got so many cool like gadgets even in that like where you have uh, the Skywalker family with Qui-Gon Jinn, played wonderfully by Liam Neeson, mm-hmm. uh, watching Anakin, like, on a little monitor there. And, like, the weird, uh, you know, place in time within this universe has always fascinated me you know because it's like it looks like a period thing it looks like a david lean epic or something like that Mm -hmm. but they also have all these futuristic gadgets and gizmos you know and that's been there from the start but it's always been fascinating to me and i think this film pulls that off really wonderfully
2: no yeah i mean i think a lot of it is kind of like you could see it almost as like the the transfer almost kind of like the the slow uh, creeping towards digital rather than film and like I mean, even like some of the landscapes here, you, you do get like a David Lean epic field of them. But some of them, I'm like, that looks like the Windows 97 background. Yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Which no, exactly. Like, that, that
0: green field where mm-hmm. the Gungans have the fight, uh, very digitally affected, definitely looks like that Windows background.
2: <laughs> no, yeah. and I But I, I like it. And I like the clash within this movie. And I think that's yeah. what kind of sets it apart from like, I don't know. A generic blockbuster i think
1: all of those contradictions like add to complexity that like i don't know you miss as like a kid and that if you're gonna have a very reductive reading of it it's easy to write off as (laughs) like bad because you can you can ignore that like i mean when you brought up at the very beginning that i think is like an interesting aspect throughout all the prequels and something that i definitely missed as a kid because you think like Jedi good, Sith bad, and that's like a very easy way to just tap into it. But you miss all of the contradictions. Like you said they're like uh like Buddhist cops yeah. <laughs> and just like it's the like clash on karma. Yeah. <laughs> the clash there in that type of like that disposition and just that like I mean as not to dip too much into like Clone Wars, because we'll get there. Um but like you see the like I don't know they're not they're fucking up a lot yeah these Jedi. I mean,
0: even the the threat of like defending the Republic from like the Trade Federation taking over uh you know with tariffs or whatever is like an immediate contradiction especially if you know what's happening going forward you know like this whole one of these planes of action is to you know renegotiate with the tariff uh, to honor the Republic Which they don't realize is being controlled uh, You know you find out in the next movie More clearly who's controlling it And it's just like this thing Where uh, I think From the get go here uh, Lucas is playing with a much more Gray morality than the original uh, Trilogy
2: Yeah yeah you know a band even though There is a lot of hero's journey within these yeah. movies kind Oh of, no yeah. totally and yeah. I
0: think that there is One aspect of hero's journey in this movie That is like so much better than mm-hmm. it has any right to be because like the annoying hero's journey thing that I, uh, I'm constantly, uh, just like laughing at in movies is the, the reluctant hero, you know, mm-hmm. like right before the first act break when they're like, ah, I can't do this. <laughs> and then they're like, no, you gotta save the world. No shit. You know, yeah. uh, even the original star Wars is like, it kinda it kind of falls into that. This one though, I don't know man like Anakin you know he wants to be a Jedi he wants to go with and then he just has that moment of realizing that his mom is still going to be a slave on this planet and he's so reluctant because of that and she you know it tells him to go anyway and just knowing that because he goes she's gonna die at the hands of the Tusken Raiders and like the whole trajectory of the three Uh, film series you know changes in that moment pretty much and so I think there's a lot more uh, weight behind each of these things that feel like more of like signposts of storytelling than actual plot points you know
2: no yeah I think the details are much richer than what you'd find in, you know Average, average fare, mm-hmm. and I think I think the episodic nature of it also helps to in to get into like these kind of small details that yeah. Lucas is definitely interested in, and I think that's also accomplishment in itself that he's kind of created this series with such a great scope where he just gets to kind of explore his filmmaking interests, yeah, and, you know, just kind of be creative, like beyond like him messing with digital technology or even kind of like the structure like the way he even shoots it is like very creative. I I'd find more than like people would give him credit for. It. Like there's a lot of a lot of distance in like these fight scenes that allow the frame to get used up mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And a lot of like um I don't know, just messing with like POV that I thought was very effective. Yeah,
0: there's only one like true point of view shot in this film, and it's from C3PO's perspective, saying goodbye to Anakin at that moment, right after I described earlier, you Mm -hmm. know. And then there's a lot of like faux POV shots that feel like it's gonna be then that character walks into frame almost, and he's playing with the edges of frame a lot too, which is like something I got made fun of on Twitter for (laughs) defending like his full (laughs) use of the frame. Like, because here's the thing. These movies are on TV all the time. They're always cropped to standard widescreen, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, I, I was saying something about that and someone said like, "Oh, too bad George Lucas hit all the good stuff on the edges of the frame" or something like that. It's like, "Oh, okay, I guess you like cropped movies then." But yeah. whatever, that's that's in the past. I don't even remember <laughs> who that was.
2: You know, I mean, even like the way the like the way he transitions a lot like a ship, you know, flying up yeah. across the screen. I mean, it's just a very simple example of just how he's always using the full screen
0: Um, also I think that the uh, like the scene where Darth Maul rolls up on them on Tatooine on that like uh, like moped floating thing yeah. is fucking sick. All <laughs> yeah. of the vehicles in this are so cool. Mm. I mean, it goes further in episode two, but I think George Lucas is like old boomer car obsession uh, <laughs> helps this series so much because True. all of the vehicles are so like he puts so much detail into them and the sounds they make and everything like the pod race you know when it, when the car uh, the pods rather are you know coming toward and away from the camera and you get that doppler effect on the engine you see how much like attention is put into just the sounds of these pods and the pods have such flimsy floppy kind of weird physics because of that system where it's like a pod and you know, two like engine blocks usually floating on like a rope away from the person operating it. So like the way that they move through space and turn is like endlessly fascinating to me. And uh, yeah, I saw this movie like five times in theaters. Apparently I was too young to remember, but my dad tells me he made me, take me to it he made i made him uh take me to it like five times while i was in theater so i guess it meant a lot to me as a kid i do not remember that <laughs>
1: yeah i don't think i ever saw this as a kid but um Jesus. i think my uncle or one of my relatives bought me a jar jar banks halloween costume and i was jar jar for halloween
2: <laughs> hell yeah yeah jar jar's like not too bad like honestly he's just a yeah i like, I like the line. oh yeah, yeah sorry i had no, to open
0: good. up some cough drops on mike here as you can tell i'm getting quite
2: hoarse on the pod <laughs> before we even go into our main feed episode the warm-ups yeah. no but like accusations of racism i don't know i think i think i i get what lucas is trying to do here right i mean like it's it is like trying to create like um it's uh what do you call it? it's universalization Global. rather yeah. than globalization yeah so no
0: i mean yeah. I, I joked when i made this comparison but it is kind of similar to speed racer what the Wakowskis were doing there mm-hmm. with the international like commentators and stuff yeah very broad ethnic stereotypes you know and like this these alien creatures are kind of based in broad ethnic stereotypes some of them at least but it's like what do you want all these aliens to sound like white guys? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I th-
2: that's the, what makes them distinct. And right? I
1: think, like, the fan backlash to a lot of the, like, I mean, not even just the racism, but, like, the, like, I don't know, the child actor. I, I don't think he was in anything afterwards the actor who played jar jar he was like suicidal um because shout out
0: ahmed best (laughs) yeah and
1: just like fucked up because like people hated this character that he had to do a lot of like really like complicated work for
2: yeah i mean i think this people's reaction this really does kind of flummox me especially now that i've actually seen it i've kind of always thought it's probably not as bad as people say because people really do have a lot of ire for this movie and i'm i guess i'm trying to wonder why i guess maybe like the original star wars series is like a big nostalgia point a lot of people remember that as like some of the greatest blockbusters and here you have something you know completely new new techniques new approaches at a subject and people get mad at it but it is i I mean still to this day i think people really hate this movie and i i don't know why because i could see maybe even just not liking it there's parts of it that i don't like that i kind of check out during but it's just like what I guess I don't know. Maybe it's, it was so popular at the moment that it just inspired hate. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I guess so.
0: I mean, it, it was a big cultural touchstone. Or mm-hmm. you know, a lot of uh, uh, promotional items. You know, vending Pepsi vending machines that had Anakin with the pod <laughs>
2: racing gear on on them. That I remember True. that that was very sick. Does that mean we're gonna reclaim Marvel movies in twenty years? I hope not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really hope not. <laughs> not to I mean not to give the comparison, but you know, you yeah. know. I know what a good movie looks like though. True, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> mm, Jesus. i
2: gotta suck on this a little. Of course.
0: <laughs> a cough My drop cock goes. that is. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> you heard the wrinkling. It was uh-huh. the king size bag of Paul's <laughs> menthol.
2: Can you edit this can you add like a zipper effect and then like a plop when my dick comes out <laughs> you know classic blowjob sounds
0: speaking of that I think Jar Jar Binks has spawned more erotic fan art than anyone else in the Star Wars
2: franchise <laughs> some alien impregnation fetishes from yeah. Jar Jar Binks
0: I mean look so what do you want the original trilogy where you're you know sexualizing a dead woman Carrie Fisher in the slave <laughs> Leia outfit or do you want the woke prequels where you have an international feel and an icon on, like Jar Jar Biggs <laughs> laying big Gungan pipe. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. Jar Jar is like stupid hung for sure. Oh, like yeah. it's just he doesn't he I've doesn't even know a, how lucky he has
2: it.
0: I've never seen a Jar Jar deviant art that didn't have like a three foot dick.
2: Yeah. I mean it maybe it seems like he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's literally led by the like the density of his own penis and it kind of just <laughs> leads him throughout life. Like as like a magnetic force.
1: <laughs> that's the true force <laughs> having a big cock
2: I
0: love the dude that's like Jar Jar's boss who like uh, gives him his sentence and he's just like <laughs> 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 I don't know, man, like that shit just cracks me up every time It's nonsense, but it just always never fails to make me laugh, and just like dumb lines, like right after that, when they're on their way out, and they're in that little underwater cruiser, and you know, there's a couple of times where a big fish monster tries to eat them, and then it gets eaten, and such a dumb line, Qui-Gon just like a close-up on him, he just goes, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> And just, I guess lines like that get memed into oblivion, but for some reason it has the opposite effect on me, Mm where lines like that, that like kind of maybe feel out of place or just are very on the nose just make me laugh now and like add to my excitement about the movie on the whole like Mm -hmm. it doesn't make me take the movie less seriously if anything it makes me take the movie more seriously because there's more stuff I like in it I mean
1: it's just like that type of I would rather take like a corny like kind of joke like that that's in earnest than like this smarmy, like, Joss Whedon-style bullshit of, like, the sequel trilogy that's, like, everyone's, like, cracking a joke to the camera. I would rather have them just be, like, I don't know, have, like, a few corny Mm one-liners that are, like, I don't know. There's charm there.
2: No, and it's it's endearing in the fact that, like, you have this huge budgeted movie that is allowed to have things like that where it's, like, something like Avengers is just kind of rendered down to, you know, 2% milk or whatever, where it's, like, it's just like it's we're gonna it has to appear cool basically and there's yeah that's what's great about the trilogies and kind of like the thing that i've attached to most like star wars is kind of goofy it is a little yeah. bit goofy oh totally and i think and i think maybe that's what people are reacting to like these are kind of embrace the goofiness to a certain extent and like or just like kind of the the you know childlike creativity of it and yeah i mean it's all it's all the much better for it just you know because it's a uh, it's not a tourist project.
0: Also, I hate to just compare them to Marvel movies or whatever, but mm-hmm. Marvel would never dare to have such an uh, such a burning, unconventional romance yeah. uh, as this movie with young Anakin Skywalker and uh, planting the seeds. Uh, planting the seeds. You know, George Lucas knew how those in power operated. So you know, <laughs> a, a, a queen of Naboo, you know, biting her lip at a uh, young six-year-old Anakin Skywalker is no surprise in yeah. this morally gray tale about politics. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, when Ajar Argento got outed for like grooming like a seventeen-year-old boy, and I'm like, this movie, I'm like, oh wait, it's kind of it's it's a good thing that that happens.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I <laughs> wait a second, wait a second. That's, it's like it's it, it an could, interesting it could, read. It could be
2: great. It could be great. It could breed greatness.
0: <laughs> I meant to say it as. <laughs> Shining a light on the negative aspects of, you know, those who uh, create uh, or those who make the world function, those in great power, such as Queens and uh, Jedi.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the second one proves you wrong. It's a beautiful thing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. You know, if, if
2: George Lucas was telling us anything with this prequel trilogy, it's that the heart wants what it wants. Exactly, You can't deny it. That's and that's what we're taking away <laughs> from the Phantom Menace. And maybe that's what people disliked about it too and I got to disagree. Yeah, i about that.
0: Well, I mean, people definitely didn't like that about Attack of the Clones. We'll get to that. But like people hate that romance, which mm-hmm. I love. It's like oh, so yeah. dumb and like uh, sentimental and like sincere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know. We'll I mean, get to it. in terms of
1: that, like sincerity, I think that's something that like because people hated the performance of like kid Anakin and just like him as a character. But that was something I thought was really charming this time around, because it's like he, I don't know, you kind of get uh, what Qui Gon sees there, yeah. where it's like, this is a very, very weird kid mm-hmm. that's way too confident and like way too well spoken. And it's just like, all that stuff like makes him stick out and like makes him, it, it, you really buy how sensational and how promising he is as a young
0: boy. I mean, he's a, like a six year old who built the <laughs> fastest pod <laughs> in the galaxy. Yeah. He's I, a young hustler. <laughs> <laughs> He's on his rinse or his uh, hustle, rinse, repeat game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, like, uh, Qui Gon Jinn. Also, I mean, I already said it before, but Liam Neeson. I think that's one of my favorite performances in the entire six film series. Here, uh, he just has such a like comforting presence of like bringing you back to a nostalgic place but also guiding you through new territories that might seem strange kind of yeah. and uh, I think his death at the end like is like a, you know handing you off to the next two films where Lucas is taking it into overdrive into futuristic mode going full digital leaving behind people like Liam Neeson
2: <laughs> yeah there's kind of like a reserve to him to Neeson you know in his calmness where yeah. it's like he, he obviously knows more than he's going to tell you know this fucking kid you know he knows the 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 horror of it all that's going on in the star wars (laughs) universe
0: uh yeah and we said the wipes earlier there's more wipes in this film than in any other star wars movie Mm -hmm. i have if you go to my letterbox uh for this film you'll see a review that links to a tweet of a video i know it's a lot of process a lot of steps there <laughs> <laughs> but i did compile every uh wipe midway through uh there are 57 wipe and wow. iris transitions uh in this film and i had to accompany it to uh or by the um the final song that plays in this film uh the i think it's called like it like augie's imperial march is what it's called yeah. which is a great title uh, one of my favorite songs ever is uh, 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 <laughs> uh, oh.
2: oh, so good. Man. Yeah. I, I
0: walk around drumming that on my hands like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so sick. That was
2: that and that was a great work you did, Eddie there. That yeah. that's something that people should check out. I mean that definitely piqued my interest for something I wouldn't really give a fuck about. Yeah. Star Wars. What's what bunch of nerd bullshit? <laughs> But no, it's good. It's good.
0: Also, I just love the the group of actors that Lucas got for the series too, because it's like some old time like character guys who have been mm-hmm. around since like New Hollywood and like newer faces like Samuel L. Jackson, Natalie Portman. You know, uh, really make a great combination.
2: Yeah, I mean, just to, I know I don't want to, you know, spill my load, but just seeing Joel Edgerton cl- and yeah. uh, Clone, Clone Wars, <laughs> Attack of the Clones too, just rung my bell a little bit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh so i guess that that's about it for this one um mm. i don't know how long these episodes are usually gonna go i know those fairly ones were like an hour each this is only half an hour but you know it's one movie yeah
1: it's one fucking movie how much <laughs> yeah. do you expect
0: come on this is, <laughs> this is good this is good enough. okay so I, ha- I i i said i wasn't gonna do this on podcast but since we're short on time and this will only take 10 seconds anyway um so I was thinking. I, I thought about this character earlier. Who he's like <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I like this. <laughs>
0: he's like a like a late '50s, early '60s French auteurist critic, like left bank or Cahiers du Cinema, either one. And like he's, uh, you know, he's he's very horned up in a French way, classically. Uh, and he's like a heterosexual man, but he has an exception, and it's due to the like mise en scene of uh, the director of you know uh, you know Rebel Without a Cause. And uh, on dangerous ground. And uh, so his name is uh, Nicholas Gay for Ray. <laughs> <laughs> And he goes a little something
2: like this. No, I'm not going to do the character. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. You know, you could fill in the blank. I yeah. want to fuck Nicholas Ray. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's that was like more Ray. Dracula. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I don't know why I went into a Dracula there, but yeah. Yeah. That's uh, how I see French vampiric.
0: Yeah. I have a Dracula poster in here somewhere. It's like in this stack of posters. Uh-oh. I thought it was hidden somewhere. Yeah, me <laughs> and JT immediately yeah, both started the looking. The poster. <laughs> we definitely gotta pimp out the rest of this room. We got one wall covered. True. Yeah. Now we got the shelf behind you's he got Fever Pitch on DVD <laughs> and our something about Mary gel, which we will definitely be squirting onto a, something in the very near
2: future. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta find a place to squirt it. That's yeah. the. That's the right. Where's the best shot? You know. <laughs> Are are we going
1: to be firing off bullets uh, for this? I know this isn't the traditional yeah, feed I don't know. or I mean, Fair. We yeah. didn't do it for the Fairleys, no, but, but this is mm-hmm. a different one. Yeah, this is a mm-hmm. one picture.
2: The people want to know. They could, they. I mean, they, have ways, of find, find, they have ways Fair of enough. finding that out. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> okay <laughs> that okay. answers uh,
2: that. Let's do
0: it on more of a binary. I think we got to get more essential. Is this film hot or not? It's hot.
2: It's hot. I'd tap that. Yeah, it's hot. That's good. Yeah, maybe, yeah we got to go like Ebert, Roper, like one thumb or two thumbs. Oh, okay. Let's, let's. So one thumb is <laughs> oh, so bad. It's like a four-point <laughs> no scale. Thumbs, or no thumbs. I guess that is it's a, a four-point scale. A it's point. two, one,
0: zero, one, two. What? point It's two, one, zero, one, two. What? <laughs> like you, can do, you can do two thumbs down, one oh, thumb okay. down. Oh, I forgot about thumbs down. Wait, can you just do one thumb down? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, this is <laughs> getting very convoluted already. All right, so I'll go... Two thumbs up on this movie. <laughs> I'll go one thumb up, I guess.
1: Uh, yeah. W- one thumb way up.
0: So that's four thumbs way up. Then I'll get a half. I don't, yeah. It's fun finding out new systems, new ways to do things, just
2: like George Lucas did with these movies. It's called numerology, I mean, okay? Numerology. People love etymology, but where do numbers come from?
0: Yeah. <clears throat> Um, if you're in the Discord listening to this thinking, why am I still listening to this pod, <laughs> fire off a message right now saying, I love Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> 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 okay, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> And we're back on After Hours 5 for The Phantom Menace. We wanted to say shout out to Terrence Stamp, who we're going to talk about next week. He played uh, Chancellor Valorum in this film, taken over by Chancellor Palpatine, uh, one of the great character actors that I was referring to but didn't mention by name mm-hmm. a couple of minutes ago.
1: Okay, so in my lib reading of this, The Descent of Fascism, Palpatine, obviously Trump. So Terrence Stamp <laughs> is Obama.
2: Damn, that's sick.
0: Yeah. You guys see the Limey? No. I he's so sick in that. He's also in full frontal as the Limey. (laughs) (laughs) Steven Soderbergh extended universe. Damn. Yeah. But we'll talk about that next week. See ya.